If you are age 12 and under, you may head to Camp Pointway. Teachers have prepared something there for you today. Did I miss a joke? Did someone? It's all good. They're working their way out. Appreciate the fact that Joe mentioned that it's Palm Sunday, and um, as you guys know me, I'm, I'm not very good at, at doing those things like according to plan, right? I kind of sometimes fly by the seat of my pants, and so we're not doing Palm Sunday, a, a Palm Sunday traditional message this morning. We are going to continue in the book of Amos. Uh, we're going to do Amos chapter 6 um, and continue our study. Um, that's not to neglect Palm Sunday, and, and again, I enjoy this time of year. It's one of my favorite times of year. I enjoy all the services. I enjoy Good Friday. I Believe it or not, I even enjoy that sunrise service. I got to tell you, it's one of my favorite. It's bright and early. Yes, PJ thinks it's awesome. It's awesome, yeah. I mean, and PJ's not a morning person, if you didn't know that about her. And so for her to say it's awesome to be up at that hour is amazing. So uh, sadly, last year we did it by ourselves uh, down by a lake and uh, was not the same. So if you can be there, I would encourage you. And then we are having our normal uh, Sunday service at 10 o'clock. And yes, even though I don't always do things according to plan, I am doing a resurrection message. We're going to take a break from Amos, and we'll skip a week, and, and we'll do that next Sunday. So hopefully you can join us for one of those three, or all three of those services. Uh, they will all be different, and they will be all with different messages along that way. So, as I mentioned, we're going to continue on in the book of Amos. We're, we're getting there, right? There's only nine chapters. We're on chapter six today, and so we've been working through it. And again, Amos has that message to give to Israel, and I purposely said Israel, because you remember the, the, the nation had been split, right? Ten tribes went to the north and kind of developed their own nation, and then two tribes stayed down in the south, uh, where Jerusalem was in the temple, and they divided. This is shortly after Solomon. Bad news. And Amos has to go to the north, to Israel, and give them bad news, right? The prophet has to go and keep sharing over and over again these messages of, hey, things are not all right. God is not pleased. In fact, he's saying God is going to judge you for what's about to come. Amos is a little bit different, too, in that it, he proclaims that there's going to be judgment on the nations around them, Right? He talked about all those nations outside of. Yes, God cares about his people, but he also cares about what goes on outside and even beyond the borders of his chosen people. And so he had harsh judgment for them. And there was going to be judgment coming to Jerusalem, Judea, and that southern kingdom a little bit later on down the road, but particularly to the north. Remember some of the problems that were happening with the north, Right? Uh, Jesse, yeah, Jesse and I took a walk one Sunday, right? We took a little stroll around the church. Many of you guys know Jesse, and again, that relationship, right? Amos had that relationship with God. Amos was speaking for God. But one of the problems was the false idols, the false worship, right? They were worshiping. They had integrated other religions into their own. It kind of brought a little piece of things in. And again, they had gotten away from worshiping God. And that and God is a jealous God, right? And if that wasn't bad enough, and that would bring judgment upon themselves, they were also taking advantage of the poor, right? We talked about 
stealing eggs, right? And again, if you guys aren't here every week, you miss out on some of these a little bit. But it wasn't so much about stealing eggs. But it was taking from the poor. They were getting rich off the backs of the poor folk. And if that wasn't enough, there was problems within the court system, right? You couldn't get a fair trial anywhere. Everything was rigged toward the rich. Judges were being bribed. People of power were able to win all their cases to the point I'm going to lose anyway. The poor just gave up. They didn't even bother going to the courts. They're like, it doesn't matter. I'm going to lose anyways. I'm going to lose it all. So they were oppressed. So all this is going on, which leads us to these judgments. And today, chapter 6 is one of those final messages, not the final message, but one of the final messages in Amos to the leaders in Israel. Again, mostly to that northern kingdom. He's going to raise up someone that's going to do that judgment. And so there are problems in the north. And there's two that we're going to focus on today. And again, this is the last of these kind of mini sermons that Amos preaches. Again, we read them all together, but they're broken up into different messages. Hence, someone asked me this week, why don't you put six and seven together? Because they're kind of close and they're, they're, they're two short chapters. Well, because there's a natural break there. It doesn't really flow well. So this may be a little bit shorter message, um, but if you try to do two of them, uh, it's too much beyond uh, the context. You kind of lose something. But chapter 6 shows two major problems, complacency and pride. So that's the title of today's message, Complacency and Pride Kills, right? Both are equally dangerous. Sometimes they run together. All right, chapter 6, verse 1. All that background, now you're caught up. If today's your first Sunday, you're right with the rest of us. We're right here right now. I do that to help you, but also to help kind of get the traction so we remember where we're going. So 6 verse 1 says, Woe to you who are complacent in Zion, and to you who feel secure on Mount Samaria. You notable men of the foremost nation to whom the people of Israel come. Go to Calneth and look at it. Go from there to Great Hamath, and then go down to Gath and Philistine. And you, are they better off than you two kingdoms? Is your land larger than yours? You put off the evil day and bring near a reign of terror. Again, we, we know these are separate messages because they start out similar to last week, right? Whoa, right? What do you think of when I say whoa? Stop, right? If you're a horse person, Scarlett, what, when you say whoa, what does whoa mean? You better stop now, right, right? I like, it's a little more emphatic here, and that's what Amos is saying. Hey, you better stop now. There's, there's an urgency to it. It's a, hey, take notice. Listen up, right? Slap upside the head, whoa, right? I'm speaking God's word to you is what Amos is saying. Hey, in Zion, you become complacent. You say, well, wait a minute, Zion, that's down in the southern kingdom, right? Yeah, because guess what? They needed to hear part of this message as well. It's the only reference right now to Zion from here on out, right? Because the impending judgment is to the north. But guess what? Don't forget down there in the south. 
And I would say the same thing today. Just because it happened in the Old Testament, hey, church family, don't miss out on what's happening here in Scripture because it can happen just as easily today. Now I got a frog in my throat, so. So, whoa, I got to get a drink. There you go. <clears throat> also, the reference to Zion and, and the Mount Samaria here shows some of that complacency problem, right? Because those were up on the high ground. They were up on the mountaintop. In fact, interestingly enough, when we look back through history, that mountain they're talking about in Samaria, that was kind of the last stronghold. When the Assyrians came in and wiped them out, that was, they held out. They held out actually for about three years up on this hill. It's kind of some interesting facts, some history when you read back, but it says, you know, they felt that they were secure. They could hold out and withstand the Assyrian army. They didn't. They eventually got captured and were taken off and no longer a nation. But Jerusalem had the same problem, right? Jerusalem, the temple is up on a hill. It, it sits higher than anything else around them. And so it makes it hard to attack. It's a good defensive position. But God is saying here, hey, don't put your trust in that. God's saying, you're not going to be safe there. You're going to get a ringside seat. You're going to see what's going on, but it's not going to keep you secure. Which lays out the next here. And again, you see where some of the problems are coming here. He, he names these few towns, these cities, right? Uh, Calneth and Hamath and Gath. And again, these were places that Israel had actually conquered. These were lands that they had success in, right? Prior victories, right? But he's saying, don't get too prideful. Don't think you're too secure in what's going on. In fact, he uses them as a comparison, right? He says, are you no better off than your two kingdoms, right? They're no better off. They're the same. They've been captured. Guess what? You're eventually going to be captured. It's amazing. Again, these are things that are going to happen out 100 years plus, and the, the southern kingdom's a couple hundred years away. But again, they, they were true. They were coming. And again, they were relying upon their military. They relied upon their position. They were really relying upon what they thought God was blessing them with. But as we've discussed, their heart of worship was far from that. All right, let's go on. Verse 4. We see some of the problem here. It says, you live... You lie on beds inlaid with ivory and lounge on couches. You dine on choice lambs and fattened calves. You strum away on your harps like David and improvise on music instruments. You drink wine by the bowlful and use the finest lotions, but you do not grieve over the ruin of Joseph. Again, we, we talked a little bit about this a couple weeks ago, right? The, the, the famous message or the, one of the messages, right? I gave you guys a helpful hint, right? What not to call your, your, your girlfriend or your wife, right? Cows, right? Don't call them cows. It doesn't work well, right? But that was part of it, right? It was because of their luxurious life they were leading, right? They were living in luxury. They were relying upon their finances, to be honest. They were doing pretty well. Right? They're talking about ivory. Um, they talked about summer homes and mansions. They were doing well. They, well, I'm financially set, and I've got all this money and wealth, and look at all I've got. God must be blessing me. I must be doing what's right. And God's 
not saying that at all to them. In fact, sometimes our finances and our security can kind of take away from what God truly wants. If we had to pick one thing that God wants most of us is that reliance upon him. And again, finances is a false reliance. It doesn't give us security. Interestingly here, he even talks about the, the lounging around, the couch, right? Because they're not working. They're, they're taking advantage of poor. They're getting their money elsewhere from unfair gains. Even he talks about eating choice lambs, right? It's not wrong to eat lamb. In fact, in my family, it used to be in a lamb. I have lamb on Easter. That was one of the, the, the meals that you would have. PJ's not a big fan of lamb. I, I enjoy it. Um, but again, it's not the fact that they're eating it. It's just the fact that, remember, there's starvation going on. Remember, there's, there's people that are not having their next meal, yet they're eating the finest, the best, the fattened calf. They're feasting. Meanwhile, their brothers are going without. Sometimes you lose in the details. Even this detail says, you drink wine by the bowlful. Right? How would you normally drink something? Cup, right? A cup, right? A bowl would be excess, right? You're, you're just, yeah, you're spilling it. You're, it's going everywhere. You don't care because it's, it's not valuable to you. Sometimes we, we miss out on those. The use of finest lotions and the older, older translations talk about oils, right? And again, anointing oils. And again, not that it's wrong to put lotion on. And um, some of you that, that burn, you need to put lotion on or suntan lotion. And I, I get that. I don't know what you're talking about, but you, I get that. But again, they're, they're trying to keep their, their appearances up. Again, it's all to the excess. And God is not seen in any of it. They're not relying upon him. It's not part of their worship. They've gotten complacent. They've gotten fat, happy, and dumb. Some of you got that. I got that. That's good. I heard a little bit. All right? But it happens. And again, that's just as much trouble as some of the sins that are going on is to be that secure in your own abilities. There's even talk about the music, right? The, the, the music of David. And again, we have many of our psalms are written, David, put to music. Beautiful pieces of music. And again, we're blessed here at Pointway to have beautiful musicians and voices. Uh, it's great to hear that. But again, it's not, they weren't singing the Psalms anymore. They were making up their own words, things that were not true. Again, that pleased their ears, but it wasn't praising God. Remember, their heart, their heart had gotten far, far away from God. Verse 7 says, here's what's going to happen. Here's what's yet to come. Therefore, again, therefore, because of all these things that are going on, you will be among the first to go into exile. Your feasting and lounging will end. Kind of ends this small little section here, right? It says, because of what you've been doing, because of you're not relying upon God and relying upon yourself and relying upon your finances and you're lounging around, you're going to be the first to go. You're not going to make it. When times do get tough, you're going to be the ones that I pull out. God doesn't only judge, but he judges in an orderly way. And he's saying, hey, you who are at the top, you're going to get judged harshly, and you're going to get judged first. Also a reference that they're not going to probably be part of the remnant. God's not going to spare them. 
Again, these are probably the folks that have gotten the furthest away at this point. And that kind of ends. That's actually one part of the message, and that's the complacency part. But interestingly, we're going to talk, shift into the pride part. But if we really look at complacency at the root, complacency is really a down in this week issue. The two are connected. I didn't realize that until I really dug down in this week a little bit. But the more I thought about complacency, and again, I can get complacent in my own life, it really comes down to an attitude of pride. Thinking more highly of myself or relying upon myself and not relying upon God. So, verse 8 shifts a little bit. So, keep up with me. Let's jump over here to verse 8. It says, The sovereign Lord has sworn by himself, the Lord God Almighty declares, I abhorred the pride of Jacob. I detest his fortresses. I will deliver up. Yes, again, pulling back from their history to bring forward and say, hey, from your own history, you should see this coming. You know, Joe mentioned this morning about, you know, Palm Sunday when they were coming to the city and they were thinking the Messiah, but yet they missed it. Again, well, that wasn't the only time they missed it, Joe. They missed it multiple times. But before we be too harsh on them, how many times do we miss the warning signs? How many times do we go past that person that tells us something and we just say, yeah, yeah, and ignore it? Go beyond it, right? We're all guilty of that from time to time. But God is saying this, and he's saying, I'm letting you know. I'm the sovereign Lord. Again, he swears by himself. Again, as if that's not enough authority, he's saying, hey, on top of myself, I'm declaring this to you. You know, abhorred is not a word we use today, but probably a better word because I hate, I despise would be that, right? The pride. Pride is a killer. Pride destroys us from within. Some of you have said pride is really the root of all evil. You guys are good. You guys are right on this one. That was good. I, you start finishing my sentences, we're, we're, we're really getting along good. and we're, we're, we're right on the same spot. That's, that's good. But it's so true. Right? Pride Depilates us. It kills us. It kills our relationship with God. And so God hates it. He doesn't want it. He doesn't want any part of it. And we wrestle against that. That's where our, that sin comes, really, is because I think more of myself than of God or of others. They go hand in hand. And again, he says, I detest the fortress, right? We talked earlier about the, the places they had set up, the, the safety they thought that they were in. So you see how it goes back and forth with the complacency, right? He says, they don't mean anything to me. I, I'm not restricted by your walls. I'm not restricted. I'm sovereign over all of that. Can I tell you, he even, he's not a respecter of even our outside appearances, right? It goes much deeper. He, won't, he sees our heart. He knows exactly what's going on inside. Sorry, I'm stepping on some toes, but that's what Scripture does to us. It brings us to that point. And he says, I'm going to turn you over. I'm going to deliver you up to your enemies. He's making sure. They know it's not because of, you know, this enemy is so great or beyond my control. I'm actually going to use them. And if you know anything about the Assyrians, they're a tough bunch. They're not, they're, they're merciless. 
And they're going to do great damage to that nation where that nation never exists again, only a small remnant. We see that here in the upcoming verses. Verse 9 gives us a, a picture of what's yet to come. It says, if 10 men are left in one house, they too will die. And if a relative who, was burned, who is, is to burn the bodies comes to carry them out of the house and asks anyone, are they still hiding there? Is anyone with you? And he says, no. Then he will say, hush, we must not mention the name of the Lord. Gives us a little picture here, and it's a little hard to break out, but when you think about it, he's saying, hey, if 10 men are left, right, there's, a, there's destruction. This is after this comes, and again, there's laying to waste, and this, there's a house full of dead people. Sorry to be graphic, but that's what it's saying here, right? And it says they're coming to bury those who are dead. But guess what? There's just so many of them, they can't even bury them. They're just burning the bodies. The only time, when we look back through history, the only time that they would really do that is when there was just such devastation that they were worried about plague and rot and the smell was so bad that they would just burn them up. Again, Jewish history, they would have a, a funeral service and a burial and all that. But it's a a look, a glimpse of how bad it's going to get. And so when they come in to take care of the bodies, it's just going to burn them. And in amongst the bodies, there's this person or this hypothetical person that's saying, you know, that's hiding among them, right, in great fear. You know, right? He doesn't, he's, he's hiding not only from the enemy, but he's, he's still hiding because he's not sure that he's safe yet. That's where we get this little interchange here. In fact, he tells her, hush, don't even let them know that I'm here. Right? I don't know about you, but I, I, the picture I have in my mind appealed to me. I want to stay in that place. A house full of dead bodies doesn't appeal to me. It doesn't sound like a good place to be hanging out. But this person is seeing things that he can't unsee. Again, it's that judgment that's coming upon them. He says, don't even mention the name of the Lord, right? At that point, he realizes. And he's, he's, he's at that point in life where he's at the bottom, and he's saying, I can't even mention his name anymore because I'm just, I'm crushed. What a contrast. What a contrast from pride, living in the mansion, doing well, to being among the dead. I don't think it's by chance that those two things are there, but, you know, way up here on the mountaintop in the mansion, drinking wine, having a great time, hanging out in the bodies. Dead, can't even mention the name of the Lord, just the lowest point possible. Doesn't have to be that way. Really, the whole message of Amos, it doesn't have to be that way. But you got to stop. you got to repent. you got to turn back. Verse 11, back to the scripture here. It says, For the Lord has given the command, and he will smash the great house into pieces, and the small house into bits. Do horses run on rocky crags? Does one plow where there's no oxen? Oh, there's one plow there with oxen? Sorry. But have you turned justice into poison and the fruit of righteousness into bitterness? You who rejoice in the conquest of Lodabar, 
and say, did we not take Karim by our own strength? Again, he's hearkening back to them. Remember, this hasn't happened yet. Amos is saying, hey, you can avoid this. Right? This is a beck and call. This is a warning to them. He's giving them an opportunity, one more opportunity. He's just the mouthpiece. He's the one that's carrying the load to them. God has given them a chance, but it's coming. You're running out of chances, if you want to use today's word. Right? Judgment is coming. He's going to smash. He's going to break down. He's going to take care of. He's going to lay waste to everything you build up. Right? They're without excuse. Again, if we look at our own lives, we end up in that same spot, right? Many times we, we know it's wrong, right? We know well ahead, or we know we're doing it the wrong way. We don't even really need to be told we already know, but yet we, like I said, hit the override. We still fall into that. We still go ahead and sin on our own. And again, the, the crime here, in, in case it hadn't been spelled out, in case the group in front of Amos hadn't heard it, he says it again, right? Says, you've turned justice into poison and the fruit of righteousness into bitterness, right? You're, you're not giving people a fair shake. You're not treating them how I want to treat them, how I want you to treat them, Right? Even at the end here, you see the pride creep in, right? It says they rejoice over conquering these places. And again, I'm not a, a literally scholar, and I don't know all the words, but when I was looking this up, it, it, there's a play on words here a little bit. This low D-bar actually means city of nothing, right? Or place of nothing. These are not important places. But they... They thought they were. They thought they were something because they had done had these victories. Right? But don't miss the last part of that sentence, right? They were proud and they were saying, hey, we took these places. We did this by our own strength. Right? Be careful when we get to that spot, when we say, I've done something. Right? We take credit quite often, too often, for things that we didn't do. Or we didn't even deserve to do. Give God the credit. Right? He's the one that gives us even the opportunity. He's the one that gives us the abilities. He's the one that gives us the strength even to do it. It's not by our strength. Sometimes I think that's why God uses those foolish things or those people of lowly places because you know what? He wants to make sure that people around them you could come up with, who it is that did the work. When it's beyond you, it's beyond anything you could come up with. Right? It's not in our own strength. Again, another sign of that pride issue of that comes up. We start claiming things as, hey, look, what, look at me. Look at what I've done. Right? Don't forget where that comes from, from the Lord. All right. Lastly here, as we wrap up here in verse 14, it says, for the Lord God Almighty declares, I will stir up a nation against you, O house of Israel, that will oppress you all the way, from Lebo, Hamath, to the valley of Reba. 
Again, when you look at those, there's some geog uh, geographic places, not geological, geographic. Here you go, like two G's in a row. Um, but it's a big area, right? You know, we, we haven't talked a lot about the land, but the, the land to the north was, was a large expansion. It was much greater size-wise than the southern kingdom. Not only because it had more tribes, but it had spread out more, right? And it all gets wiped out. It gets all overrun by the Assyrians. And again, I've, I've mentioned the Assyrians, and again, the Assyrians didn't need more land. And again, the Assyrians weren't worried about Israel. But God put a hatred in them, stirred up the, in them. Uh, it's not like this land was overly valuable to the Assyrians, but he stirred in such a hatred that they overtook them and they just plowed through them. Pretty much like they were nothing. There wasn't a lot of resistance. Right? And this happens at 722 BC. They, they just go through. And really for no good reason. Humanly speaking, we would look at it and say, why? You know, why would we don't they don't need that land? It's not land that's valuable, it's nothing, you know. It's kind of like buying a house lot on a swamp. You don't buy it because you don't, you're not going to build a house there because it's not worth anything. On a lake, different story. I can get. By the way, the lake is starting, to, the ice is starting to move a little bit. So for you that know me, that's good news. But it's, it, God uses Assyria to just bring his judgment. But did they know that it was coming? Not right away. They should have. Those that believed did. And when they saw it starting, they, 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 they kept waiting for God. And at that point, it was too late, crying out to God. But it's not because they didn't know. They, didn't, they already knew the consequences. Right? See how dangerous pride is, though? Pride blinds us to God's word. Pride blinds us to what we should know. Pride blinds us to God's judgment even. We think we're okay. We think we're fine. Things are going well. Back to complacency. So my caution this morning and my, my encouragement as well is take a look at yourself. Say, maybe, maybe it's not blatant. Maybe it's just some little area in my life that I've allowed to get sloppy, to get lazy, to get complacent. And if that beast isn't running, praise God. That's awesome. Maybe it's the other side of that, though. The other flip of that coin. What's some area that I've allowed proud, pride to get in, and I'm proud, and I'm boasting, and I'm bragging upon my accomplishments, or maybe what I'm doing? And I don't think I, rely, I need God or I'm not relying upon God. Because you see, the danger in that day is the same danger we face today. It can destroy us. It can kill our relationship with God. And I don't want that to happen. Bow with me, please. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that gives us that warning. We thank you that, Lord, you don't just surprise us and spring something on us, but you let us know ahead of time, Lord, that we 
need to be in right relationship with you. Lord, we're thankful that we have that opportunity to do that. Lord, we're so thankful that we have that opportunity through Jesus Christ to be in relationship with you, an intimate relationship. Lord, you also provided a way for us to, to deal with the sin in our lives through repentance and asking of forgiveness, Lord. Lord, help us to be quick to see those areas that we need to do that. We thank you for providing the way through the cross, through the gospel. Lord, help us to be softened. Help us to be close to you in all that we do. Lord, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.